2020. We're here. It's time to go big. It's time to change all that has been happening the past couple of years. Hello and welcome to Mother the Mother. I am McLean McGowan. This podcast is an offering for all women to gather energetically, sister to sister, mother to mother, to co-create a sacred space for healing, educating, and sharing as we journey through motherhood and womanhood. It is such an incredibly powerful moment in time to be a woman, and I thank you for showing up on behalf of yourself and for all of the women in your lives, past, present, and future, to honor our matriarchal lines, all who came before, and all who will come after. Jema. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. As I record this, it is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and I have really been reading a lot, um, just little quotations on him throughout the day, but a lot of them, and just meditating and sitting with who he was and his message and what a warrior he was, you know, going up against all that he did go up against. And in so many ways, it feels like we're still fighting a lot of the same battles as we were 50 years ago, 60 years ago. And um, that's, that's a big thing to think about, you know, all the different aspects, civil rights, Racism, sexism, ageism, uh, the rights of our medical freedom or lack thereof. There's a lot going on. Um, A lot of hate still in this world, especially in our own country. Uh, A lot of violence. A lot of uh, communities feeling ostracized and less than and left out of the conversation. And just had me reflecting. I'm really grateful for Jemima's first grade teacher last year because they studied so much about him and his movement. Whereas when I asked her today what her teacher last week had said about Martin Luther King, she said they hadn't had any discussion, which I find absolutely outrageous. But I'm so glad that she got the knowledge last year. And of course, we talk about him semi-regularly but had obviously more of an opportunity to talk about him today and the beauty he brought to this world. So yeah, that's my headspace. Hi. (laughs) I'm also recording. It's 10.33 p.m. because this is the first time today that I've had time and quiet to sit with myself and record. And you might be hearing loud frogs in the background. I think it might be mating season because it's come on really strong. We hear frogs every night, but it's uh, really, really strong outside my bedroom window, which I love. But we have a little pond is in our neighbor's yard and they're going hard. We're in a canyon also, so there's a marsh at the bottom of the hill where a lot of frogs live. But um, that's what that noise is if you hear it. I guess one of the biggest things I wanted to talk to you all about today in line with Martin Luther King Jr. is fear and how fear really creates so much craziness and chaos in our own lives, in our minds, in our bodies. 
not to mention our communities, our cities and our country and our world. And when you really start to hook into your own fears, anxiety, depression, again, if you're like really a new postpartum mama, your fears are very physical based right now, keeping a new baby alive. Um, but as you, you know, begin to come out of that, it gets a little bit more macro, not so micro. And, um, you know, there's plenty to be scared about all the time. And our society really likes to plug us in because that's how we look outside of ourselves is when we're looking to fix those fears that have been implanted within us. So it's really helpful uh, meditation. I'm a huge fan of whatever quiets your mind, whether it's your faith, if it's a practice, a mantra, chanting, could be a walking meditation, whatever it is for you to really get clear about where you end and where others begin. Because it is a really interesting uh, delayering when you allow to see what your own fears are and what are imposed on you. It's pretty wild. And it feels radical to then choose to not be sucked into that um, because it's very anti-establishment. You know, they, in quotation marks, they don't want you being fearless because then you don't need them and you don't need their products and you don't need their stuff. And that can be, you know, a lot of things it can be health insurance, keep staying in jobs for that health insurance out of fear of things can't happen, home insurance, car insurance, you know, wrinkle cream. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a huge continuum. Meds, medical uh, conduct, you know, there, there's so many ways in which we choose fear over love or trust in our own minds and our bodies. Um, and not to say that anything of those are, you know, in their own way bad. I mean, I have health insurance. I have homeowner's insurance. I have car insurance. I mean, I'm grateful for all of those. And I'm grateful for my husband for allowing us to have those um, or supporting us to have those rather. But um, I guess... What I'm just saying, and I'm again, I'm kind of rambling because I'm really tired. It's been a very long day, but just learning why you fear what you fear, and then getting the bravery to step up and kind of stand against that, against that habit. Um, and once you do, you really see all the fear around you and other people, and how it's just like commonplace. We do it to our kids all the time. Be careful. Don't do that. Remember to look for that. Be careful. Be careful. And I, I mean, I do it too. I have to really watch myself. And that's just such fear mongering. And like, no wonder our kids have so much anxiety when we're helicoptering them all day, not trusting their own bodies and minds. We're teaching them not to trust that. Um, and when we don't allow for them to learn those things, they don't learn them. They don't grow those skills. Um, I mean, even today I had like one of those long days on um, my computer and having a lot of different program issues over the weekend and just getting so frustrated with the tech stuff in my life. And 
I I like to push that under the rug and I just want someone else to deal with it. And so I was like, I just have to deal with it. And it was probably like two hours out of my day, but then I felt really proud of myself and happy that I actually got to the other side of it in a day and was able to send out the contracts I needed to, to clients and, you know, just like square up my business. And um, it's also been a weird day because we had a gas leak. So we haven't had our gas on for four days. So we haven't had hot water or, you know, hot baths or a stove to cook on or heat. So we're kind of camping. I'm on my biomat right now. So I'm feeling very cozy, but um, that's been an interesting thing too, of being out of your comfort zone and noticing how spoiled I am, noticing how I depend on so many things that I totally take for granted during the day. So it has been a a good practice and an interesting exercise, but I'm also ready to like wrap it up, which hopefully will will be hopefully healed in the next four days. But yeah, just noticing the fear. And I was talking to a teacher today about fear and how insidious it is. And even when we are fearful of what we judge as the right things to fear, right? I mean, they're good things to fear, they're bad things to fear. You know, there's so much black and white in our own lives. And even when we band together with other people of like minds and like, yeah, that's good to fear that. That's good to fear that. We're still sending just cascades of negative emotion through our bodies at all times. And um, I've talked a little bit about that, how I've been dealing with that in myself with this medical freedom fight in California. It's not even just California, it's the rest of the country and Europe as well with um, what's going on with the vaccination laws. And, you know, my stance has really been publicly, it's all about medical freedom. It's up to you what you want to do with your body. It's up to you what you feel is right for your children. Each child might be different. It's up to you to educate yourself, to trust your intuition, to trust your caregiver, your doctor, doing your own research. And no one else should be making those decisions for you. No one else should be bullying you into making those decisions, which is happening left and right. No one should be kicking your kids out of school. No one should be ostracizing you from the neighborhood or the community. No one should be segregating your kids in the doctor's office. All of these things are happening now. Relationships are ending. Divorces are happening. Custody battles are being fought over. People are losing family members. People are losing friendships all over vaccinations because there's so much fear on both sides. And I have fear. You know, I do have fear. And the more that I've educated myself, uh, I've been able to release some of that fear and trust that the good will prevail, the true science will prevail, the knowledge will prevail. But at the end of the day, it's releasing that fear that will make me sick because I'm here, I'm living in this time. And what I want to be doing is help lifting people up and educating people and helping women and mothers trust themselves, whatever it is, whatever the topic is, to come back to that innate 
wisdom that for thousands and thousands and thousands of years has been preserved and honored. And we are just in a society that does not honor it, truly, from the ground up and the top down. So it really is a moment of, I do not comply with that. We're changing the conversation. We're supporting each other. You know, one of the most rebellious acts you can do is just re- just uh, support your sisters. Rebel against that desire or habit of gossiping, of throwing another woman under the bus, even if you don't agree with them. You know, we're kind of past that now. It's time to change the narrative. The patriarchy has been so genius at pitting women against women. And that has to stop with us. It has to stop with each one of us. It has to start with uh, our own discipline, disciplining your thoughts, disciplining what you watch, what you listen to, what you hear. Uh, are you going down that rabbit hole of gossip because it's kind of naughty and it makes you feel better about your life? You know, all of those things, starting to really pay attention to them and have the wherewithal to stop yourself or to apologize or to call yourself out. Because when we start to change these behaviors, the other women in our lives see it and feel it and it's a ripple effect. You know, if you are a woman that goes to women's circles, you know how sacred it is. And you know if you leak information or you hear someone else leak information back to you, you know that the same can be being said about you or your friends as well. So it's it's really like if we all agree to hold space as sacred, to hold um, listening with an open heart for one another as sacred, if we just go out of our way to be in service to each other, you know, that's how we change this world. That's how we change the conversation. That's how our children see us living authentically, not saying one thing and doing another. I just wanted to read a couple of quotations on Martin Luther King, honoring him today, because I found some really beautiful ones that touched me today. The one that I posted is, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. So for me, that has really been about health and medical freedom recently, Um, but they're endless causes. So wherever you are feeling pulled, wherever your heart is feeling pulled, please speak up. Please be brave. Please use your voice. Please listen. Please ask that woman how you can help her. You know, that's how we, that's how we rise up. Here's another one. Use me, God. Show me how to take who I am, who I want to be, and what I can do and use it for a purpose greater than myself. I mean, if we all were walking around like that all day, it'd be a completely different world. Here's another one. Everybody can be great because everybody can serve. Hmm, This is an interesting one because, you know, we often think about him as the king of peace, but uh, there's a place for all of it, right? So here it is. If peace means a willingness to be exploited economically, dominated politically, humiliated and segregated, I don't want peace. If peace means being complacently adjusted to a deadening status quo, I don't want peace. If peace means keeping my mouth shut in the midst of injustice and evil, I don't want it. 
Peace is not simply the absence of conflict, but the existence of justice for all people. I love that one. And we need leaders not in love with money, but in love with justice. Not in love with publicity, but in love with humanity. Amen. All right, and here's the last one. The question is not whether we will be extremists, but what kind of extremists we will be. The nation and the world are in dire need of creative extremists. End quote. So, you know, 2020, we're here. It's time to go big. It's time to change all that has been happening the past couple of years. I don't know about you, but 2019 was kind of a fucked up year. Almost every woman I know and man actually has been saying how crazy their life was in 2019. So I feel like it was kind of the dark, dark. And now we are eyes open. We have awakened to the fact that what we have taken as truth by the media, by our parents, by our grandparents, by our institutions, by our quote-unquote government officials, by the CDC, by the medical community, uh, and on and on and on is a load of bullshit. And it's time to take the power back into ourselves, have our own sovereignty. You know, we're also living in this weird world where we kind of take everything that is told to us, but then we live in this like crazy, liable, fear-based plane as well. So, you know, that's part of it too, is like taking ownership of your decisions and your choices and not blaming everyone else for everything, you know? It's like if you have type type 2 diabetes or you're obese or you have mental health issues or you have cancer or you have... um postpartum anxiety and depression, or you have Crohn's disease, or you have a gut issue, or you're chronically constipated, or you have irregular periods, like all of these things, you know, there can be a genetic piece in them, but there's also like, how are we not showing up for ourselves? How are we giving our power out to other people? How are we not taking ownership for what we're putting in our mouths, the water we're drinking, the emotions that we are allowing to course through our bodies. What are we watching? Who are we dating? Who are we married to? Where are we leaking our energy? Where do we have zero boundaries? Uh, who are we having sex with? How are we letting that energy come into our bodies? You know, and, and each one of these topics is like obviously a huge thing and we can't control everything and not everyone has um, the resources for a lot of those things, but it's, it's also just looking at where are you? How did you get there? Um, you know, if you're a minority, it's often because you've, your family's been there for generations, you know, and racism and elitism. And, um, you know, there's so many layers. So I'm not pointing fingers I'm, at all. I'm just saying we have to look at the whys behind things and then resource ourselves and resource our communities to help with one another to become educated and then have the energy and the resources and support each other to um, heal, heal ourselves and heal each other. And again, if you're a new mom, you aren't resourced to be giving a lot to other people 
But then once you heal and you come out of your postpartum time and you're not giving everything to your kids all the time, so it could be years after you have a baby, then you can become resourced to give more out to your friends and your family and your communities. And that's what I really have to say about any of that. I'm sorry, this is like super rambling. But, you know, mom life, I'm sharing honestly. I did want to talk briefly about this series I've been doing on hired help. And it's interesting. It's brought up a lot of things for a lot of you that have been messaging me. And I hope you listened to my interview with Marissa because she had such good insight into how to have healthy boundaries with yourself and communication with who you work with or who you employ. And it's interesting because I, I was sharing about our nanny and the different things I've been going through with, with boundaries and changing boundaries and how my work is changing and my schedule is changing and what my expectations are. And, um, you know, I'm hired help. As a doula, I am hired help. And even that term hired help has a negative connotation to it kind of anything in the service industry can be looked down upon, but I don't see it that way at all. I love being of service and I feel very called to this work and I'm paid for it. And it's interesting because, you know, when you start out down a career path, you know, you, you, you do things when you start out that you wouldn't normally do now. Like now, I've been doing this seven years and um, I feel confident in my work. I feel confident in what my true mission is. I feel confident in what I can bring to the table. And I totally trust pretty much 100% of the time that who I align with, who aligns with me is who's supposed to be my client. So I don't stress about selling myself. I don't stress about you know, being in competition with other doulas. Like I really don't at all. I feel so in alignment with my work and that, uh, that, you know, a specific client with a like mind will be attracted to working with me. And yeah, I mean, there, you know, there's some clients that I've become very, very close friends with and there's some where it is more like a job, but it's actually is, that's less, less common. But I guess what I'd like to say is that I've never found the work that I do as a doula to be beneath me in any ways. I mean, I empty the bloody trash and, you know, clean out all sorts of things and see all sorts of bodily things. And it doesn't phase me. And I don't ever think that I don't need to be doing it. It's part of my service is part of what a woman needs at that time. And whatever you do for work, if you are in service or you have people in service to you, you know, it's really looking at it as a dance and it's a cycle. And even close friends or family members have sometimes judged my work of, well, you don't want to be working in someone's house. You know, you don't want to be in service to other people. And actually do. I mean, that's been great. I want to be doing other things as well, but it is a honor for me to work with women at this vulnerable time in their lives. You know, sometimes I meet 
a client, if they've signed on with me super late or even realize they need a postpartum doula after the baby occurs and I have the availability, sometimes I'll meet a client naked in her bed, you know, topless in a diaper. And that's how we'll meet for the first time. And like, that's really normal to me now. I don't find that to be weird because we all are one. And I think since I've gone through two postpartum shifts now, I've birthed two babies, you know, the blood and the guts and the weird shit that happens to you doesn't gross me out, doesn't freak me out. And it makes me really capable of holding space for women without any judgment, being a very neutral, neutral space. But, you know, sometimes it is interesting because at now at my level as a doula, you know, people are, you know, kind of hire me as an expert in quotation marks. And yet sometimes I am treated as quote unquote, the hired help, which I mean, that's kind of bullshit anyway, to be treated any differently, any human to be treated any differently. But I had that experience a couple months ago, a great clients and I was cooking in the kitchen and the parent, you know, the, the parents came in and like literally didn't acknowledge me. And, um, like we're talking past me, walking past me and it didn't, it didn't upset me. It was just more of a, a glimpse into human behavior. That kind of, um, feedback is rare for me because I'm a white woman. And as I am seen as a, an expert, usually if they're in-laws or moms, they're in the house, they want to know about my recipes. They want to know about my kids. They want to know how I got into this work, you know, really interested. And so I tend to teach and educate and talk a lot when I am at work. And um, this one instance, it was like, oh, I'm just in the kitchen. I'm just the help. Like not even, uh, not even going to look at me or smile or say hi or anything. And, you know, it bums me out that a lot of women are treated that way, that work in homes. And the housekeeper at this house was treated the same way. And it just, it just gave me pause of like, oh, yeah, that's actually like a common thing that I just don't have to deal with because I am a privileged white woman. And um, it's part of this conversation of, again, why do we not see work in the home as worthy? I mean, it's kind of like it should be the biggest thing, like the people that are tending your fires, keeping your nest safe and warm and clean, like they should be getting mad props all day long, right? The ones raising your kids. Um, and I think it is starting to shift a little bit because we're talking about it, but there's still so much more that needs to change. Um, and it's also relative, you know? It's like, everything is relative. I'm really like going out there into the different dimensions, but um, that's one thing that I think has been a great benefit in my life that my mom always had a lot of different kinds of friends and I grew up with that and I was an only child. So I grew up traveling a ton and around a lot of different adults, artists, business people, homemakers, just so many different people. My mom's one of those people that just attracts all walks of life. And um, and it's interesting because I grew up, you know, I had 
friends that were multi, multi, multi millionaires and people that had like no money. And I was equally friends in different groups, you know? So it's like, um, same with education, people that were like massive, massive brainiacs and, and famous writers and doctors and, you know, really well-renowned people in their fields and then the opposite. And people that were super well-traveled all over the world constantly um, in the political world. Uh, my family was uh, in politics for generations. And then the complete opposite of that too, you know? So it's, I think I've always been one of those people that I don't really submit to labels. And it's all relative, right? And so I kind of go through my life, which I think has served me very well as a doula because I can kind of slip into a lot of different dynamics and cultures and socioeconomic situations and um, family dynamics. So it's interesting that I ended up in this work. Also, one of my like best traits was being quiet. Like as a kid, like I could always walk around the house and no one would know I was there. And it's like the best trait as a doula, just to be there, especially when you're cooking in the kitchen and cleaning up, just to be like this fairy that no one sees, no one hears, and food is just cooked and left in the kitchen spotless. And um, it served me in my service. So... All of you are doing amazing. We're all doing amazing to even be showing up every day with our heads held high. Even on days when our heads are not held high, we're showing up. We're being the moms. We're being the cornerstone of the family. And we're figuring it out. And that's what motherhood really comes down to. Not having the answers, not knowing what you're doing a lot of the time. And you keep showing up, you keep doing it, you keep finding ways to expand your mind, your heart, and your spirit to be the best version of yourself. And even if you aren't there now, you're working towards it. And I commend all of you. We are changing this world. We are changing our communities and not in a way to spiritual bypass, but I really do believe, especially going into this new decade, this new year. We have to keep our vibes high. You have to implement the practices. You have to ask for that time for self-care. You have to tag out with your partner, get a babysitter, get a you know a nanny share, whatever you need to do to really bolster your nervous system so that we can expand. We can get out there. We do have the reserves to go out and fight the good fight. Whatever that is in your life, you got to do it. It's the time. It's the year. It is our time. And if it's not us, then who is it going to be? It's on us now. The pressure is on. We can do it. We can do it. We're doing it and we're going to do it. We're going to keep increasing our ability to do it. I'm here. If you need support, please reach out to me. I'm doing all sorts of one-on-one counseling sessions right now on Zoom. Wherever you are in the world, we can connect. I'm starting to do more uh, events in LA. So if you're interested, reach out about that. 
I'll be posting more in the upcoming months and I'm also getting some online stuff going up and out. So that will start in the next couple of months. And um, until then, meditate, put your hand on your heart, come back to your breath, steal those moments whenever you can during the day, whether it's 30 seconds here, a minute here, three minutes here. Take that time to reconnect to your own heartbeat, your own life force, because that's where we come back to our faith, our devotion, our service. Sending love out to all of you. Jema. Jema.